Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatting Films with Coffee with me, Simon Harkness, and my good friend and co-host, Mike Elkins. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. Thank you very much. It doesn't seem like very long ago that we were here doing exactly this. I know. After, yeah. after uh, what seemed like a lifetime away from it, episodes three and four have come, uh, come like buses, haven't they? They have, yeah. London buses. Um, yeah. It's Basically, we're recording this a little bit earlier because there's some events in the calendar which aren't to be missed not for me by the way i have nothing on this week <laughs> my, my week's very boring <laughs> well you say that you are continuing to roast beans mike yeah. sent me a picture yeah. last night uh, friends send each other a, a variety of pictures um mine and mike's at the moment seems to be very heavily bean related bean and burger <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and barbecue sauce <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I sent Mike a picture of a barbecue sauce I just invested in and it was a game changer, let me tell you. Every burger needs a good sauce. Mm. Maybe we should set up a uh, a different podcast. <laughs> like, uh, rate my burger. <laughs> that could be something done. altogether different. That sounds very dodgy, I must admit. <laughs> I mean, I'm up for it. Once this goes down the pan. Um... Yeah. We've just There's the next one. We can just roll off the rank. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, tell me about your your roasting. The the pitch you sent me uh, did look it looked mu- a much healthier roast. Uh, happier, much much happier. Yeah. So this is the uh, this is the Mexican bean again, the uh, the Nayarita, which um, has previously been a touch troublesome. It's either been like vastly acidic or so bitter it was almost undrinkable. But I found that before the uh, the beans were either a little too anemic or absolutely burnt to hell so i kind of went in the middle and plumped for a seven minute roast and i haven't tried them i'm gonna gonna leave <laughs> probably until tomorrow just to let them kind of settle a bit but um looks good smells like chocolate so that can't be a bad thing right no That's very good um so one of the yeah, things i look for in a coffee is the uh, the chocolatey tasting notes so um yeah I'm, I'm excited to hear all about it are you because you're a black coffee drinker are you going for a filter or are you going for a, an espresso well this is i mean predominantly i bought because they are a very good filtered bean um just but i think because of the strong flavor the filter will naturally bring out the flavor yeah um, make it slightly crisper um Although I know we were talking earlier, was it yesterday or today? I can't even remember now about um, about using them and um, putting them through an espresso machine and just having them as a as a, a shot. Mm. And I think that might work as well. I'm not going to latte it or anything like that. I don't think. I guess the the flavour profile lends itself well to the to the black coffee. I think maybe I, I, it'd be very interesting to see what it is with with some milk. Um, added to it because it's got such a complex variety of tasting notes but like it might lose itself somewhat when you add it with milk yeah i mean i might i might oddly try it with some oat milk just to see kind of what happens there because that's kind of like a like a warm hug in a glass oat milk, <laughs> when it's, so I'm, I'm thinking that maybe a slightly smoky smoky flavored bean could could go quite nicely with the oat milk but if the bean's any good, and I, then I have my timings down, then I will uh, I will then start to uh, experiment with 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 the finish and seeing kind of how it works best. But the roaster I got them from suggested a filter, but I think I think I think you were right, and I think that they'll make a really nice espresso. Yeah, it would just be interesting to try it out. Um, yeah, it's quite it's 
roasting is such a, a trial and error process anyway. Yes. So I, I guess if you're at a point where you've, where you've mastered what you think is the nicest uh, roast, then you can start playing around with how, how you're going to be drinking the coffee. And then once you've mastered that, again, play around with the roast a little bit, see if 10 seconds here or there makes a massive difference, which I'm sure it will. See, I do enjoy a Cortado, so maybe that would be the, the kind of the entry point Mm. for me with the, with the milk so yeah ah, it's going to be fun to play around with it i'm looking forward to it when you think of a cortado how would you describe it because i got asked this the other day and for me a cortado is somewhere in between a piccolo and a flat white yeah i mean i guess you could it's for me the perfect cortado is probably a double shot with literally a dribble of milk okay so it just just takes the edge Mm. Um, yeah, I think closer to a, a, a short flat white, effectively. Yeah, because I mean, you're more of, well, you're more from the from the barista side of things, and obviously your your understanding of that is maybe slightly greater than mine. So I would say that it comes from in terms of the the scale of progression, without sounding like a pretentious brick. <laughs> yeah, pretentious brick, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so for, it's like. It starts off as a ristretto, then an espresso, then a macchiato with literally the tiniest bit of foam on it. Um, then that turns into a piccolo, a cortado, flat white, latte, cappuccino, that sort of, that's the yeah. sort of evolution. So for me, uh, I do wake up with a cortado or a flat white, but again, with a, with a cortado for me, I'd be looking to make it with a ristretto just so you don't get the, the added bitterness that comes with the, the yeah. espresso shot if you cut it a little bit shorter you get a much punchier sharper uh taste from the espresso but i've got i think i've developed quite a sharp punchy palate hmm well that's it i mean i suppose the same goes for like i roast to my taste mm. so there's nothing saying that that the the roast that i took closer to the second crack last week wouldn't actually be more to your taste mm. whereas the seven minute suits me perfectly, but if someone really enjoys a slightly more acidic kind of grapefruity flavor, then the first one that I did that for me was almost undrinkable actually could be quite pleasing. It's like, you know, it's everything. It's like you think of like beer, ale is the mm. prime example. Now you have sour ales, you have like your thick porter type ales and you know, there is something for everybody out there. Yeah, um, definitely. But I guess it's just for you. Yeah. Making coffee that you would want to drink. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I I look at it. But we digress once again. I'd love having these chats with you about roasting and and espressos and it's, it's great. Yeah, I mean, if I think back now to to kind of where I was maybe 2 years ago in my coffee journey, I had n- literally no real understanding. I knew what I liked. Mm. Then from reading around it, reading into it a little bit more, it is a fascinating subject. It is. I think you you don't suddenly stop liking coffee. I don't think if you enjoy drinking the slightly more, you know, specialist coffees, you're suddenly not going to wake up and think, actually, no, no, I need to go back to Gold Blend. <laughs> we sound like such snobs, but you know what? If you want to wake up every Saturday and have yourself a, a, a good coffee, then, yeah, what's wrong with that? Yeah. But, I mean, I do still have mass-produced supermarket coffee when I'm in a hurry. If I don't have time to, to do what I need to do and grind stuff, then, yeah, no, I will have some 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 supermarket coffee. And, yeah, it does the job. It wakes me up. That's very open-minded of you, mate. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on the final thing about coffee, what are you drinking today? 
Uh, today I am uh, Kenyan. Oh, very black currently. It's a small batch from small batch again. Nice. Um, yep. Done in the uh, the V60 today. Not in the Aeropress. Nice. Well, mixing up a bit. I've gone exactly the same as I did last week. It's a yeah, fully fledged member of the Colombian community. Um, <laughs> tasting notes of rose uh, butterscotch and white chocolate. So yeah, it's very good. Um, so film. Um, no review to you this week, guys. Uh, but we we are going to be chatting a lot about films that are coming up, um, and in particular films that are starring a particular leading man and that is Joaquin Phoenix yeah that's what we should kind of I think that's what we need to call this episode <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix Joaquin Phoenix episode mm. yeah very uh very imaginative quickly your thoughts on Joaquin Phoenix Mike my thoughts okay yeah. well as in what I have enjoyed him in Either that, or uh, what you think about his uh, his lifestyle. He's fair to say he's um, he's not your typical uh, man. No, I mean, I mean, I can't say I've studied him hugely. As as I was saying before we started recording, I think because he's done so many the kind of the indie under the radar films, he's someone you know mm. definitely, but he's not necessarily someone that I have. I've not spent a great deal of time watching his films and everything else, but for, for, for me, there's, there's two films that he's done, which jump out as that I enjoyed and I enjoyed more because he was in them. Mm-hmm. One of them, if he wasn't in it, probably the film wouldn't exist, um, which is walk the line. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm a fan of biopics as a rule. Um, and I think he, he was able to portray Johnny Cash brilliantly i mean he was oscar nominated for it which you know is a nod to he's done a decent job absolutely um i mean yeah johnny cash he had his struggles and i think i think um joaquin phoenix showed um, showed them off perfectly kind of really did give off the you know the impression that, that this was someone who was not at all comfortable with their with their fame and you know with his uh use of stimulants and drugs and everything else just to kind of get through what was this increasing sort of public focus. Um, yeah, I think he played it exceptionally well. And the role seemed quite natural to him. Mm. It didn't look like he was playing a character, which I think as an actor is is probably what you strive for, I guess. Yeah, I think to me that separates the, uh, the good from the great. The greats yeah. are the ones who you, you forget that it's, a, it's an actor playing this role. Yeah, they just sort of assume the, the, the personality of that individual. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and the other one is Gladiator, bizarrely. I knew you were going to say Gladiator. I, I think that the Commodus, the character that he played, is he's a pretty nasty, but he, you know, he's not the nicest character in the world. Mm. He's quite slimy. Um, he's obviously kind of hell bent on power. He's a ruthless chap. But um, often gets overlooked that he is trying to have it away with his sister. Yeah, yeah, I be- <laughs> but, but I believe such things were not necessarily taboo back in uh, true back in the day. Um, <laughs> I would have just written that bit out. I'd be like, well, yeah, we already know he's a prick. <laughs> don't yeah, need to- <laughs> this, this is the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> but he does he does play a sort of an incestuous supervillain very well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I think for me, those two films. I which... think in Gladiator, he he basically he's one of it's one of those performances where you can't take your eyes off him. Um, mm. It's the the sliminess of that character. It's, yeah, that's it. 
it's pretty it's skin crawling really um, yeah, but again he kind of he becomes Commodus doesn't he he becomes the character yeah. you don't think oh that's that's wacky and Phoenix dressed as a as a as a Roman mm, um true he, he becomes the character yeah I think um he's he's taken a very interesting uh route into into I guess he's now but, essentially one of the most popular um actors in the world yeah I mean I, I wonder though if that does kind of it does kind of mirror his slightly more reclusive mm. lifestyle in the sense that he doesn't necessarily want or he didn't want that sort of super fame through being in the hollywood spotlight mm. you know, he could he could gain the respect of his peers quite nicely doing what he was doing whilst living a life of relative you know simplicity and reclusiveness uh when you consider gladiator was what, 99, 2000? That's a long time ago. I think my two favourite recent performances of his would be uh, Her, which was 2013, I think, so about five years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. And also uh, You're Never Really Here, which I saw, I think, in January or February this year. Um, yeah. And he's, yeah, he's magnificent in both, especially You Were Never Really Here. He's difficult to watch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... it's Interesting. I wanted to bring up Joaquin Phoenix because this week we've obviously seen the first official images of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to kind of, yeah, sort of discuss him, um, his his career. Um, yeah. Have you seen the pictures of the Joker? I have. I have. I'm looking at them right now. What do you um, think? Interesting. It is, isn't it? He, he looks more it's... like he should be in a Harry Potter film. Yeah, I think maybe that's just the way that it's kind of lit and the makeup and everything else. Um, it's, it's quite unspectacular. But I think maybe that's what they're going for. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. Because like, have you seen that there is this, um, there is the video attached? Have you seen the video? Yes. So the silent video and just the movement and everything else. It's like he is just this kind of creepy, almost just sort of down and out kind of kind of character nothing spectacular about him whatsoever and you know what it's already captivating so yeah and you're just watching him mm. like even in, in the video he just looks yeah there's nothing much to him but he's quite menacing mm. it's going to be a very very different joker to you know anything that you could that, that i think we've seen before i think that's the way it has to be really doesn't it sort of uh, yeah, yeah. We've, we mentioned it in one of the first episodes the sort of regeneration of the joker um yes how I feel like they have to be um, played differently every time it's it's brought to screen. Um, one thing that is doing the rounds at the moment is the the fact that the Joker now has a name. Yes, um, um, Arthur. For anyone who Arthur, is yeah, a bit confused. Arthur Fleck. Yeah, I mean, I kind of I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because one of the great things about the Joker is that the elusive character and everything everything about him makes you question who is this guy sure. now if he actually has an identity it kind of loses it a bit but hey i'm i'm willing to let todd phillips guide me on this one <laughs> well i was about to say that kind of todd phillips i think he may be the perfect guy for the job because i mean you look at say his acting career for example he just plays odd characters slightly oddball freakish characters mm. who and i and i think He's maybe got the mindset to create the Joker to be something completely difficult. And I think he is going to be very hard to watch. I don't think it's going to be necessarily particularly pleasant. Mm. 
Um, which for me, that that's what I want to see in my Joker. I want to see someone who is uncomfortable. I think the um, there will obviously be some humour involved as well because you, you can't you can't look at Todd Phillips. There's obviously going to be humour in it, which I think you need from a Joker anyway because at the end of the day, yeah. he is the the clown, isn't he? He's the clown prince of Gotham, so there needs to be uh, humour in it. Um, yeah. And be nice to see Joaquin Phoenix doing some some comedy, which you don't necessarily which you haven't associated with him recently um and on that subject uh linking in Joaquin Phoenix to another film um it's coming out in a few weeks time don't worry he won't get far on foot I always want to put in a very don't worry he won't get very far yeah um but But it's not not. (laughs) great title great cast great director Mike I'm going to list you off I'm going to list you off everyone who's associated with this film so Obviously, Whacking Phoenix, covered. Jonah Hill. Yep. Rooney Mara. Yep. Jack Black. Yep. Helmed and directed by Gus Van Sant. Does that not make you want to go see that film? Well, yeah, I was watching the, I watched the trailer for this yesterday and um, I found myself getting very excited halfway through. Um, It just, I don't know, it felt like a film that I'm really going to enjoy. Mm. It kind of it looks like Napoleon Dynamite, just with a little bit more, uh, a little bit more sense maybe. Um, I mean, Gus Van Sant he he directs probably my favourite ever film in Elephant. So naturally, I mean, he doesn't he just doesn't make crap films. He makes very good films. The mm. the actors who he he works with love working with him just because of the I think the freedom that they that he gives them to just kind of take on the role. Mm. Um, and with that cast, I think you're on to an absolute winner. It's going to be a massive, I think it's, it's a huge film, huge film. I think so. And with, with not a huge amount of, of hype around it, for, for people who aren't familiar with the film, I'll quickly read out the, um, the synopsis. Um, from acclaimed filmmaker Gus Van Sant comes a witty and perceptive new film based on the remarkable true story of cartoonist John Callahan. After Portland slacker John Callahan nearly loses his life in a car accident, the last thing he intends to do is give up drinking. But when he reluctantly enters treatment with encouragement from his girlfriend, obviously Rini Mara, and charismatic sponsor, of course, Jonah Hill, Callahan discovers a gift for drawing edgy, irreverent newspaper cartoons that develop a national following and grant him a new lease of life. So it's ticking all the boxes for me. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I love a true yeah. story. It's almost like a coming of age story. Um, yeah. Good to see Jonah Hill doing some more uh, comedy with that. He'll obviously he, have looks, a- he looks really, really good in the trailer as well. I said, I mean, I think I saw like a, like, like a six minute featurette on it. And um, yeah, I think the relationship that he built with Gus Van Sant, I think is going to lead to a very strong performance from him. He can go between that kind of that light relief and that kind of serious. Yeah. Serious delivery. I, I, I really like Jonah Hill. I've liked him since Superbad. I think I just enjoy him as a person. We'd obviously, get, um, forgetting Sarah Marshall we spoke about, get him to the Greek. Um, I'm just pleased he now has that slightly more serious ability to, to, you know, to play multiple roles, you know, different types of role now, because you're going to see him in different stuff. Yeah. Um, it can only be a good thing. I think so. I rewatched uh, Wolf of Wall Street recently, and when I first saw it, I wasn't that enamoured by his performance. But when I watched it again, I was like, actually, this is a very, very good comedy 
comedy performance from him. Um, yeah. I, I was I didn't buy it a huge amount when I first saw it. I loved the film, but I didn't necessarily think it was one of his best performances. But, okay. Um, yeah. Now I am I'm eating humble pie. For me, I think he's he's probably one of my favourite actors currently working. Well, that's a big shout. I just I don't know. I just find there's something quite relaxing if I know he's in a film. It's that kind of yeah, a safe pair of hands. Yeah, I, I agree. Honestly, just his name will will definitely go and make me see him film. Yeah, uh, that he's in. Um, another one of those is Rooney Mara. Um, yep, fantastic, fantastic actress. Um, I, I hope she doesn't. I hope she doesn't miss out too much on this film. Yeah, the classic. Oh, just a supportive girlfriend. Yeah, which I guess yeah, it's true. They can get. Um that kind of that that role they just sort of pop up every now and again yeah she and deserves more than that a starring role in everything she's in she's a, a a huge talent in her own right isn't she at the end of the day so that is uh don't worry he won't get far on foot um it's <laughs> i'm really excited to go see it um and another film i'm excited to talk about is a star is born um making his directorial debut is bradley cooper yeah um, starring bradley cooper shock and lady gaga which is a shock yeah yeah i when you said we were talking about that this week i i didn't know what to make of it um i hadn't heard a fat lot about it i must admit it's not the sort of film that i would generally look into Mm. but i watched a few things and a few interviews and i think i i'll go and see it i think It, it looks it's kind of my t- my type of musical, shall we say? It's not all based around singing and dancing and how lovely life. It's not a Les Mis kind of musical. It's you know there's there's a there's a proper plot line there. Okay, it's a remake like for the fourth time of a of an old story, but it's a good story. It's the kind of you know it's that kind of love and you know, a frilly kind of um, romance. But then there's the whole kind of the, the drugs and everything else and that kind of element to it as well. I think Bradley Cooper, I, I, I think he's got a future in the directing thing. I think everything that he seems to have, you know, from what I've seen of this film, it looks excellent. It looks really, really good. He seems to be completely at home behind the camera. Um, yeah. we, we put up a couple of clips uh, of A Star Is Born on the Verge website. So check that out um, immediately. No, but check out when you get a chance <laughs> yeah. two. Wait for us to finish this first and then, then. <laughs> exactly um it just looks the the relationship and the chemistry between the two characters looks very very good um and sort of uh, the way it's been shot i think you're right it looks like he's gonna have a very successful career behind the camera i wonder if maybe he's played it slightly safe by making a, a remake his first directorial debut having said that any superhero film you go see, that's a remake of the yeah. same of the same film. I so mean, I guess there would be an element of risk though, because yeah, okay, maybe he's he's done the remake, but I think it's still it has to do justice to the other three not you know, the other three versions. Um and there's an element of risk in it, definitely. It's uh it's interesting because it has received five star reviews all across the board. Yeah. So Rotten Tomatoes, which is obviously a huge, huge website, but if you're listening to this, it's because you like film, you know that already. But I don't tend to go too much on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but five stars on Rotten Tomatoes, five star Empire, but five stars from The Guardian. It, I mean, it has just been so, so well received. Standing ovations at Venice Film Festivals, which left Gaga in tears. Um, 
I mean, I am. I don't necessarily like musicals, but I am a big fan of uh, Bradley Cooper, and I, the amount of work he puts in to his performances, you can bet your bottom dollar he's going to double that being behind the camera. So that's what I was gonna, it's going to be meticulous, isn't it? It's going to be the preparation, and everything's going to be exactly how he wanted it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I would be. I think I'd be quite excited about seeing this film. Mm. I think and, it's going to be a great date movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the music, from what I've heard, the music seems actually quite quite catchy. It's quite good. It's the sort of thing that, yeah, you would happily listen to anyway, mm. which immediately makes it far more accessible in terms of it being a musical. Yeah, definitely. Um, and really nice to hear uh, Bradley Cooper singing. Uh, he's got a great voice. As he does. does. Gaga, so it's going to be definitely one to watch out for. That is released very, very soon, um, and we do have clips on the Verge website, so check those out. Um, that is a star is born. Um, so that is what is coming up. What has been released ten years ago is the question. <laughs> well, we're, we're really sort of. Uh, I'd say we're scraping the barrel, but we're really not. It's been such a good year, or well, it was such a good year. Um, ten years ago, it was such a great years year. Ago, it was a great year. I wish I could remember it. Um, <laughs> so for me, I would like to talk a brief while about Burn After Reading. Okay. Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers, yep. Uh, so it was the... It was... In 2007, they won pretty much every award going for No Country for Old Men. Yeah. So this was their their follow-up to that. Very different film. And I think because it followed that, it was not necessarily seen as being that good. The Coens are always great at making films that are not the easiest to watch, but funny by and large. And this is certainly funny. Um, but you can't just kind of just sit there and take it in. It has, you know, you've got to concentrate a little bit. Mm. And um, this in particular, I don't know. I mean, Burn After Reading, if you've you know seen it in the last 10 years, I don't know. Um, I mean, again, the cast is, the cast is tremendous. George Clooney, um, who works with the Coen brothers, I think three of their, their films he's worked on, um, mm. John Malkovich and, uh, Brad Pitt. So Clooney and Malkovich both had roles written specifically for them when the Coen brothers were writing the film. But um, imagine having that situation just so yeah, yeah. the Coen brothers have written a part especially for me just for you yeah and if you don't do it then the whole film's not going to happen so yeah, yeah you need to agree to do this <laughs> uh and then uh yeah tilda swinton she's in it as well i always um, forget she's in it yeah she still looks she looks just like an ice queen in everything that she does um but it's for me it is just typical very typical cohen brothers like i don't think they would have given a damn about any of the negative reviews that came out off the back of it um i think Anybody watching it needs to forget the successes that they had previously and see it for what it is, which is quite a, it's a real kind of satirical punch in the face to, to American, to the American public. And I think probably to the, to the uh, sort of Washington DC and the kind of the shady goings on that, that happens around there. I mean, Brad Pitt's character as a, a like a personal trainer way over his head in some CIA business is it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And every single character in the, in the film is, is mad. They all have their own problems. And I think that's what people found difficult about it is that each character was so weird 
that it kind of drew away from the actual plot, which mm. yeah isn't the strongest. But as a standalone Cohen Brothers film, ticks the boxes for me. I mean, my favourite is probably uh, Lebowski. I think um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou is also a winner. And I think any any film that is you know any year that has a Cohen Brothers film in it, I think needs to be mentioned certainly. Um, mm. Just for, I mean, I think there was a fact I was reading up on it, and I think the, the one fact that so Tilda Swinton, her hair was modelled on um, Edna Crabapple, the so the, the teacher from uh, The Simpsons. From The Simpsons. So I think that just kind of that just kind of sums up the oddness of the film. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's great. And uh, oddly, did you know a strange bit of uh, trivia that um, Roderick James, who edited the film. Mm. Um, who was nominated for an Oscar for uh, for No Country for Old Men mm-hmm. and for Fargo doesn't actually exist. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's um, so it, the Cohen brothers they edit their own all of their own films under the pseudonym of uh, Roderick Janes. That has blown my mind. That's uh... yeah. They're an interesting bunch. They're. An, I've got a book with whatever. I think it was called like "Whatever Happened to the Cohen Brothers?" And it starts off talking about their death. <laughs> and um, at one point, I was. It was so convincing that I genuinely thought they had died. That that sums them up perfectly, though, doesn't it? Yeah. That, it does. that sort of dark humor, witty, yeah. satirical. Um, yeah. it, it is interesting that you say you feel like it suffered from being released after No Country for Old Men. I'm, again, I always want to say it for Old Greg, and that is so <laughs> definitely not right. <laughs> that would be a very, very different film. I'm Old Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should pitch that to, to Noel Fielding. <laughs> see what he says. <laughs> like, oh, he'd surely be up for it. Oh, um, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> so a budget of $37 million for Burn After Reading. Um, box office, it took $163 million. So absolutely smashed over box office but yeah it's yeah it is sadly known as yeah probably not one of the greatest um it's not it will re- and it really polarizes like fans some love it some meh, it's okay and others like some people genuinely hate it it is very dark <laughs> it's like the comedy is so is so kind of hidden that yeah you need to you need to really watch it the throwaway lines are great the throwaway lines are really interesting um yeah just Everything about it is bizarre, but thoroughly enjoyable for me personally. Yeah. Well, I sadly sit in the middle. Um, I'm a bit of a, a fence sitter in this in this particular Cohen um, Brothers film. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily get them get their films like particularly, but I I absolutely respect what they do. Um, I've just never been that enamoured with it, and especially Burn After Reading. But uh, No Country for Old Men is an absolute masterpiece, as is for Lebowski. Fargo is great as well. mm, Of course, yeah. Um, So, And I'm certainly not going to be the one to to question their their career. (laughs) Yeah, no, quite. But um, yeah, Yeah, I just just felt that, that I couldn't, I couldn't go through, through reviewing 2008 without, without mentioning it at least. Absolutely. No, fair enough, mate. I want to finish, if I may, Mike, by talking about um, film Twitter. Okay. Um, film and Twitter seem to have coincided hugely. Yes. Um, I guess everyone is everyone is a critic these days, um, which is good and it's also bad. 
Um, I feel like film Twitter sometimes focuses rather too much on the negative. Um, something that has really grabbed my attention recently, though, um, is a Twitter account called Script to Screen. Are you familiar? Uh, I am. I am. Um, Great, isn't it? Enjoyable. I mean, I wouldn't say that I follow it religiously, but when I see them, I know recently they had um, a Pulp Fiction, mm. like they're kind of the opening to Pulp Fiction in the uh, in the diner, mm. which for me is it's the whole kind of I love you, honey bunny section is is absolutely iconic so it's it's just fascinating to see the script and like yeah i, I really it's, it's such a good idea it is i mean for anyone who is who is very confused about what we're talking about uh script to screen is a twitter account that literally uh plays your favorite in many 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 of my favorite films um various scenes of my favorite films and it uh, is basically sits on top of the script and so the script is scrolling along whilst you're seeing one of your favorite scenes from a film and it's great to watch it's, it's a real insight to basically see how these uh, these films were written um, it's essentially like film karaoke kind of yeah i mean but instead of you know donna on reception <laughs> belting out adele you've got sam jackson reading tarantino's lines <laughs> yes yeah which is infinitely better i've, I've <laughs> I've got it on my screen now, and uh, yeah, so they've got the uh, DiCaprio scene from Django. That the was the one scene. I wanted to really talk about um, yeah. because um, a couple of weeks ago, script to screen did the the Django dinner scene where DiCaprio realizes that um, Christoph Waltz and Jamie Foxx are basically trying to mug him off, um, <laughs> and he catches on to it, and it basically captures the scene where uh, DiCaprio smashes his hand on the table and cuts himself. And that was genuine Leo DiCaprio blood, which he wipes on Kerry Washington's face. Um, so yeah, definitely worth checking them out. I wonder if she's washed it off yet. I don't think I would. I wouldn't. <laughs> just get it, or like, maybe just get the outline tattooed on your face and go, oh, well, that, yeah, it's just the, the exact handprint of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> the blood of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm just i'm flicking through it now and it is it's such a simple idea mm. but it kind of adds an extra dimension i've got the uh the opening scene to it oh um where george is about to get himself pulled down the drain original it or remake no it? no no remake it so 2017 it and um yeah i mean one i, I love it i think it's probably Pennywise is truly frightening. But yeah, it's quite quite nice just to follow the wording as you kind of see the action going on. Pennywise is less gimmicky in the remake, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I'm, I'm looking forward to the sequel. So, and, what a cast. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. Have you read the book? Uh Beth has. I haven't. Yeah, that's I think that's I think I, I enjoyed the so the the bit that the second half is based on, I enjoyed more than the first. Mm. Well, it's very so, much yeah, first it. sets it up and then... The, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bill Skarsgård is, is, is phenomenal, I think. Mm. Very good at playing a killer clown. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's found his niche. <laughs> <laughs> he's genuinely terrifying. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, guys, I would heartily recommend uh, following script to screen. It's, I, I find it fascinating. I'm sure mm. many, many other people do as well, just to see how... The, uh, the scripts 
make it onto the screen. It's it's brilliant to watch and seeing the characters, sorry, seeing the actors bring the characters to life. Yeah. Um, so check them out, script to screen on Twitter. Um, and that is it. That is that is it. We've wrestled through a lot of content today. So thank you for we staying. We have, haven't we? We have. I mean, impressive considering we. it feels like we were only recording episode three yesterday, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was about two days before. Yeah. Literally. Um, yeah. So I think I need a bit of a break from you, Mike. I won't lie. So what are we saying? What, another month off? <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Dubrovnik is calling. That'd be nice. Mm, um, yeah, it'd be great. Cool. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you as always, Mike. Yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's nice to, uh, although we didn't have a review, I feel that we've actually covered more content this week. Mm, yeah. Hopefully we'll have a review for you next week. Um, but if not, the content will still be killer. That's very partridge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Intended partridge. Um, that's another great Twitter account, unintentional partridge. <laughs> yeah. <Check that> out. <laughs> uh. um, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. I am at Simon Harkness TV. Mike, you are? Uh, I don't even know. Mike Elkins 86. There we go. <laughs> uh, and we're now on iTunes. Yay. So listen yeah, to us and get in touch. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Cool. Cool. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye.